Welcome back to the Global Greek Influence Podcast. I'm Panayota Pimenidou. To be up to date with news from the Global Greek Influence Podcast and suggest your topics, subscribe, like, and review the Global Greek Influence Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Amazon Music, and four more podcasting platforms. You can contact the Global Greek Influence through the podcast, Facebook, and Twitter accounts, the podcast website, globalcreekinfluence.com and LinkedIn page. Today, I'm with Dr. Konstantin Stratakis. Dr. Stratakis spoke to the Global Greek Influence podcast episode, Advancing Future Precision Medicine, aired in May 2022. In today's episode, Dr. Stratakis will discuss precision medicine in cancer treatment and circular healthcare. Dr. Stratakis is a world-recognized leader in using genetic linkage and other genome-wide tools to identify small molecules which are responsible for genetic defects causing several human diseases and use them as targets by precision medicine. Since 2021, Dr. Stratakis has been the Chief Scientific Officer of Elpen SA, a prominent pharmaceutical manufacturer with an intense research and development portfolio in Greece. Dr. Stratakis also leads the Human Genetics and Precision Medicine Lab at the National Foundation of Research and Technology, 4th in Greece. At the same time, Constantine maintains visiting or adjunct professorships internationally, such as the Mayo Clinic and the European University of Cyprus. Welcome again to the show, Constantine. Thank you for having me, Yoda. It's my pleasure to be here. It's my pleasure to see you again here with us today. In the episode, Advancing Future Precision Medicine, we touched upon what precision medicine does. Precision medicine allows doctors and researchers to predict more accurately which treatment and prevention strategies for a particular disease will work in specific groups of people. Today, we use medicine or medical treatments which seem to be a one-size-fits-all approach without giving us tools to prevent diseases and without considering the differences between individuals' tendencies towards such diseases. How precision medicine becomes a tool for personalized medicine? In what ways precision medicine becomes personal? Well, yeah, I mean, this is a very interesting question. How, how, how does a concept become a tool? And uh, l- let me just say what personalized medicine is so that everybody understands what we're talking about about here. Um, what we're talking about here is that the fact that every single piece of information for an individual, a patient, a citizen, because we're also talking about every one of us, regardless of whether we have disease or we don't have disease, each one of us has the potential of developing a disease. So every person, not necessarily simply a patient, but every person has lots of pieces of information. That these pieces of information start with uh, who we are, our family history, our personal medical history, uh, the environment we live in, and um, how we how we age. Okay, so all of this information is pers- what we call personalized information. Now, in addition to that, we also um, get testing done. So we have uh, various biological markers in our blood, in our saliva, <coughs> urine, other body fluids, um, and, you know, uh, biopsies that we may have for certain things. Uh, many of us get imaging done, 
uh, you get uh, we we get a, an ultrasound of the thyroid, we get an ultrasound of a prostate, we get ovarian ultrasounds, we get uh, CT imaging, so we get uh, various types of imagings, and then we can have even more advanced analysis of any of the above. In other words, uh, a, a simple saliva marker can be further analyzed for microbia that we may have in our saliva, in our mouths, or whatever uh, the, 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 the saliva fluid has, has, is derived from. Um, we call these various omics technologies. Now, so if you put all of that together, right, all of that together, including the physical examination, how do we look and what we have, uh, if you put all of that together, that is what precision medicine is. Now, to analyze every single bit of information, you need uh, specific algorithms. And even in this era, before, in other words, um, the tremendous applications of um, artificial intelligence that will come our way very soon, uh, even at this age, um, we use simple, uh, relatively simple algorithms to incorporate these pieces of data and provide what we call precision medicine. And so you're absolutely correct. This, the, it, it is a concept, precision medicine, a concept that now becomes a tool. The tool is derived out of these uh, algorithms that incorporate these bits of information that I just told you about. Now, what do you use this tool for? The tool can be used for uh, prevention, prediction, diagnosis, and treatment. So that is how a concept becomes a tool, and then how is a tool uh, being used? And as I just said, these are the four basic uh, applications, prevention, prediction, uh, diagnosis, and treatment. And so you can now personalize each one of those based on the analysis of the information that precision medicine provides. So it's, uh, I, I hope that I made it um, plain for everybody to understand that it, it is a concept that today has been able to materialize as a tool and we are now facing, of course, um, the, the challenge of uh, making that tool uh, more widely applicable uh, in the four things that I mentioned, prevention, prediction, uh, diagnosis, and treatment. Precision medicine could be the solution to all diseases, even when new diseases emerge. Why do we focus precision medicine on rare diseases, especially in oncology with different types of cancer? Well, I mean, this goes all in the history of precision medicine. We tie precision medicine to genetics now. And genetics, genomics, uh, started with applications in rare diseases and, and in cancer. And today... By far, the most advanced applications of precision medicine are in rare diseases and cancer, exactly because it started with uh, first in rare diseases and cancer. However, if you look right now at the application of genomics and you look at, for example, how many genomes get done outside the realm of rare diseases and cancer, 
you'll see that the exponential increase of genomic applications are not in rare diseases and not in cancer, but everything else, including uh, infectious diseases and a variety of other things. And so everybody predicts that um, while the application of precision medicine in rare diseases and in cancer will continue unabated, of course, um, everybody predicts that the other users will completely overtake uh, the field, uh, especially when it comes to uh, generalized uh, healthcare. Uh, we, we should uh, consider precision medicine, as you correctly pointed out, uh, a, a concept that is uh, refers to all of medicine, all of diseases, all of prevention, all of healthcare, and not limited to where it started from, the rare diseases and cancer. Because if, if we limit it there, then as we move on to the applications, we will be forced to use concepts and applications from rare disease and cancer to all the other fields. Whereas what I think should be done is learn the lessons that we learned from applying PM, precision medicine, on uh, rare disease and cancer and uh, redesign the whole concept so that it really um, encompasses the entire field. I came across a research article that you posted on social media and published in Nature magazine titled Specialist Multidisciplinary Input Maximizes Rare Disease Diagnosis from Whole Genome Sequencing. That was a study in the United Kingdom. So one can see that there is more to precision medicine to deliver more accurate results. And that was an excellent example for us to understand the complexity of such work as the one that takes place in precision medicine. Absolutely. This, this is a wonderful study because it shows that um, when, when you take the genomic data and you analyze them with input from multiple sources, then things that you ignored in the first analysis now become obvious that they are relevant. And then, of course, that leads to uh, discoveries that you would have had um, if you didn't use this multidisciplinary approach in analyzing the data. It, it, it really underscores what I said earlier, that um, if, if we start enlarging precision medicine from the angle of rare disease and cancer, we will miss we will miss on, on tremendous opportunities. I think we should, now that the tools are there, we should go back and say, okay, precision medicine refers to really everything. So why don't we just um, design uh, tools that take into account this multidisciplinary need for input and provide the analysis that way. This latest study I, uh, published in Nature shows exactly this. What uh, can be gained by the multidisciplinary input uh, in terms of an analyzing genomic data um, that, that uh, before, you know, if it was left just to a geneticist analyzing uh, a, a genome, um, that geneticist would only be looking at the things that they knew, they know. And that, that, almost certainly will lead to loss of information. So you need multidisciplinary input, 
lots of information, and with that prism, now analyze uh, genomics data and other omics data. Research gets more complex and um, one would say multifaceted. So would you say such research work was a multidisciplinary approach or creating a new area or research as in that case two new disciplines were merged genomic medicine and bioinformatics. In a sense, what we perceive today as technology is nothing else than the combination of science, engineering, and maths. Maths is a universal tool that we use to interpret and be able to deliver physically some products. So technology could be seen based on the tools it uses as nothing else than the combination of science, engineering, and maths, but it produces something new. Hence, we have the technological sector. So would we say that precision medicine is a combination of genomic medicine and bioinformatics or a new field on its own that is no longer multidisciplinary but synthesis research, because it's a synthetic research. I think it's the latter. I mean, I clearly think it's the latter. It's a synthesis. Uh, I, I, I would say very clearly that precision medicine does, as we said before, start uh, when in rare diseases and in, and, and in cancer with the analysis of genomic data. I mean, that's clear. But, uh, and, and at that point, you know, it became one with bioinformatics. But uh, we have been saying that, uh, especially with the nature study, that precision medicine is something more, much more than that now. And so I, I like your uh, suggestion that there's a synthesis. It's a beautiful word, too. Um, precision medicine incorporates genomics, bioinformatics, all the... Uh, all the other bits of information I told you at the beginning, the imaging, the markers, the uh, information from body fluids, um, information from family history, medical history, physical examination, uh, information from how the person lives, uh, the environment that the person lives in, um, all of that into a new, um, into a tool, a tool that can be used again for the things we said before. It is clearly a synthesis. I truly love your uh, suggestion. This summer, the Hellenic Network of Molecular Oncology at the Foundation for Research and Technologies, Hellas Fourth in Crete, was founded under the supervision of the General Secretariat of Research and Innovation of the Ministry of Development and Investment. You are the scientific chief in the efforts of the Hellenic Network of Molecular Oncology since you have been a research leader in genetics predispositions of various tumors with the expertise of more than 30 years. Why is the Hellenic Network of Molecular Oncology at the Foundation for Research and Technology Hellas Fourth in Crete significant? It is a, um, a, an effort to put under one virtual roof uh, all the efforts on Precision medicine and molecular oncology in Greece. And as such, I think 
it, it provides a guide for uh, many similar services that have to occur in other areas of medicine and precision medicine in Greece. It will provide services that are truly state-of-the-art, uh, some very new technology that uh, is available in Greece and will make it much more widely available. Uh, and people, uh, both physicians and patients, uh, will know about the services that um, do exist uh, in Greece. Now, um, these services are also quite expensive right now. And so uh, the good news is under this program, samples that will be analyzed will be covered um, by the funding that we got from um, the ministry and, and the recovery fund. And finally, it is very important because we build the in, an infrastructure that can enlarge. So right now there's about 10 labs on all in all that participate in the, in the network. Uh, but my hope is that there will be many more in the future. And I also hope that this network will be uh, used as a seed for additional funding of the individual programs uh, that participate so that many more services and many more patients and many more hospitals and clinics and research labs will be able to work under the umbrella of uh, the network. It is a way that you know, moves us uh, into the future, if you want. Um, this is how uh, most uh, efforts on precision medicine um, uh, are developing in, in most countries where there is uh, health systems and there is a need to provide this kind of services in one system, in one systematic way, so that there is no overlap or wider access and there is some curation of, of what uh, studies need to be done. All the data derived from, from the network will be deposited in publicly available databases so that they can be used for research. Um, medicine has become, it is now, a data science. And so it couldn't be but us at the Hellenic Network um, for Molecular Oncology are spending about a quarter of our total budget on making sure that we have a very good bioinformatics core. In 2018, Greece's General Secretariat of Research and Innovation, then under the supervision of the Ministry of Education, Research and Religion, created a network of precision medicine, including six research centers, two institutes and two medical schools. Now we have the addition of the Hellenic Network of Molecular Oncology in Crete. Why should such a multidisciplinary approach in precision medicine at a national level become a coordinated effort toward added value treatment returned as products and services to the taxpayers? The technologies that uh, are covered by the Hellenic Network are uh, extraordinarily expensive. Um, there is a need for to make sure that uh, what we do is not doesn't lead to duplicated effort. Um, it's well coordinated, and f for a relatively small uh, population of ten million people, um, you you do have to have a a coordinated, centralized um, procurement uh, for uh, individualized uh, services. 
you know, exquisite services are widely known and widely available. And yet at the same time, uh, there's no duplication of effort uh, between the various institutions that provide these services. That, that's why I think it's necessary to have uh, the network. Basically, we're going to continue this operation um, beyond December 2025. And as I said at the very beginning, also enlarge it, make sure that many more, and not only 10 labs, clinics, and hospitals, and, and uh, academic centers, but many more than 10, uh, participate. I have discussed in the past episodes with many guests why we keep seeing the gap between research and innovation and the economy, not only in Greece, but in many leading economies where at least one does not see a satisfactory degree of return of research and innovation to society. If we aspire to have a circular economy, both in terms of environmental and economic sustainability, we might start to look into a quote-unquote circular healthcare economy. What are the missing pieces in transforming innovative research into products and services within the circular healthcare economy? Yeah, well, I think you've touched on the many things here in, in this one question. But let me just first say, take the first part. The first part is, um, it is true that uh, it's not easy to translate all these great discoveries we have um, in precision medicine into uh, widely available, marketable uh, products. That's true. Um, I think there is a wider recognition of that fact. That is why we see that both academic centers and governments encourage the creation of startup companies. A, a small company with the flexibility that and the dedication of, of, of a small but very, um, very informed, very capable staff, a small company can do that. And we, we did see the effect of that uh, in, uh, with the recent pandemic, where the governments and the academic institutions relied on small companies, uh, had the technology and the dedication to bring forward to the market um, very uh, easy uh, applications, such as, for example, uh, COVID-19 testing at home. These, these small companies also were able to maneuver the regulatory environment, which became kind of relaxed, more relaxed, because of the needs created by the pandemic. We hope that these lessons from the pandemic will translate into similar situations uh, in a more permanent way so that we, we do have the ability to bring to the market uh, new ideas, concepts, diagnostic kits, um, and so forth uh, that easier than before. And so I think the answer to your question on why there's a problem, one is the regulatory environment, and two, that academicians are not businessmen. But as I said, you know, what fills the gap and we hope will work in the future is this um, smaller companies that are able to translate these findings into, into the market. Now, the last question that you asked about circular economy and sustainability and how we can 
um, merge everything I just said with what is circular economy. I mean, I think that, again, um, younger people, <laughs> people that are growing in this environment um, are more sensitive to what has been called circular economy. And so I think that uh, all of this will be easier um, if we were able to leave the younger generation to take over control of uh, translating these new discoveries into uh, the market, create products that benefit the healthcare and benefit circular economy. I'll finish here and see if I answered your questions. Sometimes I have to put too many parameters in one question because... I'm a human who lives in this society. I can potentially become a patient. I'm an academic. I have been involved in research. I have seen how difficult it is to gain funding. People who attempt to deliver their innovation to the market as academics, as you said, academics are not businessmen. The support they actually have from universities to do that, despite that universities have that demand from the scientists to become entrepreneurs in one way or another, coming from all these different places. That's why sometimes my questions have too many parameters. My follow-up question, Constantine, would be, what are the benefits of precision medicine to circular healthcare? If we see circular healthcare as transforming research and innovation in the products and services. And, of course, we're not just talking about the benefits people are going to have from such products and services, but also from the economy's point of view. Right. Well, I mean, I think uh, one of the reasons why, uh, at least in the United States, precision replaced personalized Right, because uh, I, you know, I've, 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 I've seen, I've been in this field for thirty years, and I've seen the various terms being used, and I can tell you that it all started, you know, about twenty years ago or so. And we, when it first started, we used the term individualized. Then that individualization became personalization. So we called individualized medicine became personalized medicine, and then about ten years ago or so, about a decade now. Precision is far better a term because um, that is what we meant by saying individualization and personalization. We meant precision. Precision now has the element of um, cutting the waste, which is very important. You're not providing everything for everybody. You're providing a tailored approach to everything and to everybody. Tailoring is what cuts the waste. Uh, in other aspects of um, science and economy, um, I'm, I'm actually, for example, listening often to personalized, personalized, personalized investment advice. Right, so it's personalized investment advice. So everything that is, so it's a, it's a, it's a concept that goes beyond medicine and that links to cutting the waste. One last question, Constantine, your expertise in medical research, decoding the genetics of causing tumors to deliver custom-made treatments to patients based on their genetic tendencies, also leading research institute, allows me to ask you, 
what is the future of precision medicine? Well, precision medicine is here to stay. Precision medicine is the future itself. Uh, the the um, what we have to uh, do is to understand it and incorporate it into everything healthcare. Because I, what we don't want to do at this point is to think of precision medicine simply as a technological tool. It is, as I just said before, a way of thinking. It is precision on everything. It is cutting the waste. It is information. And it is uh, going to transform the way we live. Not just in health, not just in uh, dealing with a disease, but but healthcare as a way of uh, an individual or a person um, living and understanding. You know, when you are 50 years old, um, what is your health status? How many years of productive life do you have ahead of you? Um, how how do you interact daily with your environment um, and how does your body perceive the signals of the environment to maintain uh, its health and and so forth these are these are it's, it's it's a totally transformative way of approaching health and it's and that's how we should see it uh, and i'm i'm delighted that i'm in the heart of of this um, you know put, putting a, a a small piece uh, 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 in, in making this a reality because um, it's truly um, a revolution uh, in the way we practice medicine, a revolution in the way we see uh, health. Thank you very much for coming once again to the Global Greek Influence Podcast and discussing precision medicine, also the circular healthcare and more about research. Thank you all for staying until the end. Stay tuned for another podcast episode and get notified by subscribing and following on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music and five more podcasting platforms. Your feedback and suggestions also help us become better. Until next time.